tonight, as I said, we're taking a little bit of a, um, a one-week break from both the ladies' studies and the men's studies. But what I want to do tonight is kind of tie them together. Um, and I want to discuss and uh, talk about our image. And image, believe it or not, at least the way I'm going to put it to you tonight, is related to fellowship. First John 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light... We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now, I'm going to explain what I mean by fellowship and image and how they're related, but the reason why I wanted to to do that was I looked at both studies that my wife had been teaching, the women and what we'd been studying uh, in the men's study, and really they have to do with relationship. Relationships. So I thought about our Rehoboth mission statement, which I'm going to go over for those who don't remember it or haven't seen it, but our mission statement has four simple parts. The first part is called sonship, and that's simply learning to walk with God. As Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The second mission statement is fellowship. Learning to walk with our brothers and sisters. Now you begin to maybe see why I want to teach about that tonight. Because both in the ladies and in the men's, it's all about being relationship. How do we relate with others? In the men's uh, lesson, it's been about um, men taking the place of spiritual leadership, secular leadership, uh, family leadership. And with the women, it's been about loving God, loving others, and all the definitions that go with that. Our third mission statement, which we spent this month on, is worship. Learning to give true praise. John 4.24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So the last thing is discipleship. God calls us to make disciples. Learning to make converts of men. John 12 32, and, if, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Now, how is all this related to what both classes were doing? Well, relationship, if you think about it, is just fellowship in action, right? If you're going to have fellowship, that means by default you have a relationship. And as I said, the women had been studying all the different four Greek um, names for love, agape love, all of uh, eros love, and, and of course loving God. And they were going to start um, the third chapter next week. And then the men have been studying different aspects of manhood and taking responsibility. Because it's so easy to sometimes as a man not want to take responsibility. And uh, we've been studying uh, how to provide and stepping up in, in certain circumstances. and But all of these in one way or another, relate to our relationship with God, first of all, and in broad terms, fellowship. Because to be a leader, you have to have a relationship. To love, you have to have a relationship. And then that all comes back to who you think you are, right? Our self-image. Because without a positive self-image, it has all kinds of negative outcomes, But let's just go to the very definition of the word fellowship as used in the New Testament. And it means to community, a communion, joint participation. It means um, 
uh, to share. It's got a whole mess of meanings, but we're going to more look uh, at some actual examples to get a definition. So fellowship then is based upon your relationship and how we relate to others is founded upon how we look at ourselves. Think about it. How do you view yourself? If you are um, an insecure person, that's going to come out in how you relate, right? Uh, If you don't have a positive self-image, you're going to to maybe have some insecurities. And usually when people have insecurities, they tend to do what? Overcompensate. It comes out in how they relate with others. They're very, they can be mean uh, because they're compensating for their own lack of self-image. And maybe they need to prove themselves to people, right? So they overdo things because they're trying to compensate for their own insecurities. And so they tend to be an overcompensation. And sometimes you don't want to be with people like that because they're always trying to to, uh, bring out something or to, to make themselves feel better, sometimes by putting down others. But on the other hand, we don't want to... We don't want to be go the other way and think we're so great. But what we need is, a, is an honest self-image, right? Romans chapter 12 verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For... As we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So it doesn't mean that I'm better than you because, you know, I, I can paint, maybe, or I can do something. Because we're all the body. And so we, tonight, I want to look at some ways how we can have a good self-image, but without being full of ourselves. Without going the other way, and uh, how, do we, how do we approach that? He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. So here he's speaking about the fact that we don't have to be in competition. Because God has put us in the body with different gifts. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, um, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So how... How do we approach then that we can be confident and not insecure, but at the same time not go the other way? How do we balance that so that we, we really can be all God wants us to be? Well, I'm going to give you my, my little uh, piece on it, and then we're going to have a little discussion a little bit later. And the way I'm going to divide it out is there's an outward aspect and an inward aspect. And the outward aspect... Is to the devil. And when you're going outwardly, by all means, you tell him that you're the biggest, baddest thing that he's ever seen. Amen? Through Christ, not of self. So that when you're going outwardly, the difference in, 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 in outwardly is Philippians 4.13 says what? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Romans 8.37 says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're boasting, but it's not in us. It's outwardly to our situation. It's outwardly to Satan. But when we're dealing inwardly with the body, then that's not the approach to take, right? 
The, the approach to take is Romans 12, 10. It says, what? Be kindly, affectioned one to another with brotherly love. I'm talking about relationship. In honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. See, we should never be rejoicing when we hear bad news about somebody. It should hurt us. It should make us want to pray or find some way to help them. Maybe we can't. All we can do is pray. Rejoicing. Whoever, whoever was happy when they cut themselves. Whoever was, man, that, that foot deserved that. <laughs> no. Most of us, if we hit ourselves on our foot, we tripped over. We're, we're going, ow. We're in pain. But sometimes we don't rightly divide who we are dealing with. When we're dealing with the devil, let's be, let's be bold. Let's tell him that I can do all things. We can, we, can, we can be boastful outwardly, but inwardly we need to be humble. And I think that's, I'm saying, how we get that balance of the proper self-image. Now, how do we get that self-image? As I've told you before, when I was growing up, uh, my mother uh, did a number on me. She gave me too much self-image. <laughs> She made me much to overcome. I, I, I thought I could do anything. And when you have that attitude, you get in trouble. <laughs> you get in trouble. So she just, she just fed me up with so much self-image that it wasn't, wasn't probably that healthy because she told me I could do anything. And because I was small, I believed her. We get who we are mostly from our parents or whoever raised us. Children get their self-image from whoever it is that's speaking into their lives. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says what? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Deuteronomy 6, 6, the Bible makes it clear on how you get a person trained. You do it from when they are small. You give them the image. The parents give the image. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. I was glad because at our dinner table a lot of times we would be talking Bible. So when my children grew up, that's mostly what they heard. They would hear discussions, I won't say arguments, discussions on the Bible. This is what, where we get our self-image from. We don't have to beat children into loving God. They're going to look at you. They're going to look at how your worship is, what you truly do in your lifestyle. So we can see that we get our image mostly from our parents when we're growing up. And you know that's exactly what the Bible says the first person that was created got their image from. Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image. You understand that the first Adam was created with God gave him his image, which is the greatest image you can have. That's why he was called the son of God in Luke, right? Which was the son of Seth, which was the son of, sorry, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Because God... The parent gave him the image. That's what we need to truly have the right images of the son. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. That's why I said that it's the parent 
that actually has a lot to do with how a child grows up. I know, unfortunately, quite a few adults who are going through stuff and have some very difficult relationships because of what their parents did, because of the image that they impressed when that child was young. Do you understand that the image we were originally given or that Adam was created with was the greatest image, was as a son of God? You understand that when we're born again, that is the image that God wants to start us out with again. We don't have to be depressed. We don't have to be taking whatever was in our past. As I said Sunday, we have to say, get thee behind me. Amen. So we see that the father gave the son his image. Genesis 1.31, one of my favorite verses. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was not just good. It was very good. The first image was perfect. The first image was, was without flaw. And that's all that God can do. Even, even Satan, Lucifer, the Bible says he was created in perfection because God can, cannot do uh, second best. He can only do the best. The Bible says that every good gift, amen. If you have a bad gift, it didn't come from God. Because the Bible says he can only give good gifts, amen. So the image that was given to Adam was, did not have um, depression in it. It didn't have doubt in it. It didn't have fear in it. It was of the very God himself. But you know the story. Eve got deceived and Adam followed her. And so now, when it came time for, for Adam and Eve to have a son, they could only give the image that they were. You can only reproduce what you are. If you're, um, you know, in, in, in families, some of these things run, you know, alcoholism. It's whatever you are, you tend to reproduce. By the time Adam and Eve had a son, by then they had lost they had lost that spirit covering. The Bible, they had become a son of man, not, no more a son of God because the spirit covering had died. And God instead had to make a covering of what? Skins. Remember that? Because the image that he had, the Shekinah glory was now gone. And God had to make a temporary covering. And so it says in Genesis 5, 3, And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image. But that image now did not have the three-part makeup that Adam had been created. We were just a body and soul. And that's why now we, we have these poor self-images, right? I put that picture up there to represent what I'm trying to say. Sometimes we even look in the mirror and think we're worse than what we are. And people suffer from all kinds of depression and, and, and fear and bondage that is of the enemy. Proverbs 23 says what? For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And, and nobody's immune to, to some of these things. Did you know that? Paul himself said, we were pressed out of measure. We despaired of life itself. I, I know it sounds bad, but when I read that, it gives me hope. If the great apostle Paul can be pressed out of measure, despaired even of life itself. You know, uh, my little, my little uh, faints and, and depression and, and doubts, uh, I'm, I'm in good company. But the key is not to stay there. The key is not to stay there. You've got to do like David and encourage yourself. 
You know, the world is not going to come and encourage you. The world is going to try and tear you down. But when even all the men around him turned against him, the Bible says he found some faith to encourage himself. So the world will, will, will call us names and will put us in a place to give us a poor self-image. Sometimes it's, it's the environment that we, we grew up in. And, and so that comes out in our relationship and in the image that Satan has impressed upon this world. So sometimes, it, it, you know, our parents may even use ugly words. They may say, oh, you're dumb. You know, they're giving a bad image into that child. Oh, you're stupid. You know, there's been many times on, on the, the news you hear about these stories of parents who... But that's all they know. That's how they were raised. They were raised in, a, in an environment where they were told they were dumb and stupid, you know. And also sometimes in bullying in schools and things like that, they don't, you don't fit into the, to the clique, into the peer pressure group. Uh, and sometimes you're just on the end of someone's bad day. They, they have their insecurities and they're taking the, them out on you. Um, sometimes it's because you're in a social group or setting that is, you know, there's prejudice against. And, and it's not just black and white. In, in Ireland, it used to be Catholic and Protestant. You couldn't tell a Catholic from a Protestant from skin color. But wherever there can be any difference, Satan will find a way to make it and use it and weaponize it. You know, he'll, he'll use anything he can. Sometimes it's just the fact that we were never affirmed. I never had that problem, but I've spoken to several people who their parents never told them that they loved them. In, in fact, in the men's study, we, we had one case that it wasn't until the man's father died that he told his son that he loved him. It was his, his father's death that prompted him to realize that his father had never told him that. And so he had never told his son that. And he just, just that one act changed his son's life. Just the fact that the father told him he loved him. So many times Satan has so corrupted this world that we have so many avenues of, of corruption into the image that we have. And he will give us a poor self-image. So we can take the wrong image and the wrong likeness because of voices that we hear tell you you're dumb you're no good but you know to me um i was insulated and i'm not boasting i'm just telling you why i'm the way i am because my my mother built up so much um uh, a wall that it doesn't matter what a teacher told me oh you know if you look at my reports at certain times they weren't that great but I had so much confidence that doesn't mean anything. I'm still going to do well. I didn't care what they said. Um, and when you have the Father speaking into you, it shouldn't care what Satan says. You get what I'm trying to tell you? If the Father is speaking into your life, that's the only self-image you need. The world will come and tell you, you're dumb, you're stupid. You go to church on a Sunday and you, you speak in tongues and you, you dance. That's so stupid because... The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. But listen, if the Father is speaking to you, it does not matter what the world may say. 
As I said, my parents built up such a wall that going through school, no matter what they said to me, even if I failed the exam, I was determined that in the end I was going to come out okay. Why? Because I just believed it. I had a childlike faith that this was still going to work out no matter what happened. And that's what we have to get is the correct image. See, we're going to have people speaking. The world is going to speak negativity to us all the time. Titus chapter 2 verse 3. That's why we have these classes, right? It says the aged women, and I don't want to put my wife and uh, some of you into that category, but that's what the scripture says, right? The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Again, we're still all growing up. And so when we come into church, we are now examples, right? People are going to be looking at me Looking at you, if you've been in the church more than a a year or two, people are going to be looking at you. When you're outside, when you go to work and you say, I go to church, I'm a Christian, they're going to be looking at you because it says, behavior as becometh, as Chris preached, holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine. Teachers of good things. As my brother said in his testimony, he couldn't understand why this guy wasn't getting mad when they were deliberately cheating. They were kicking them in the football and they weren't really responding the way they thought they would. So that made him interested. As Christians, the Bible said that this body should be dead, right? Now, true dead body, you can kick it, spit on it, and it doesn't react. Now, if you still react, you know you're still not quite dead yet. You still have a little bit more to die. I'm guilty of that. I still have a little bit more to die because, you know... They used to have those bands that say, what would Jesus do? Well, I would tell people, remember, he did get a whip at one time. <laughs> so don't, don't be pushing the button too much. <laughs> I'm not saying that's, you know, uh, he did it for a good purpose. He was, he was, he was cleaning out the house. But, you know, don't, don't, don't necessarily, I'm not, as Brother Newbel used to say, he's not perfected yet. He's not perfected yet. But we are to to understand that if we had the right image of Christ, what the world is telling us, you 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 are you're a cult, you're you are stupid, you're ignorant, you believe in the myths of the Bible, it wouldn't make no doubt. We were still gonna be successful. Because the Father is the one that gives us our image. That's what I'm trying to say. It says that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, and the word of God be not blasphemed. It doesn't let out the men either. Young men, likewise. You know what that means? Yeah, that's on us too. It's not just all on the women. Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing ourselves a pattern. Good works in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. That doesn't mean we can't have fun, but it should be godly fun. I believe Jesus laughed. I know God has a sense of humor. Just look at the world and you know he has a sense of humor. I'm sure he looks at some things and laughs and says, I wonder what these humans are going to try and work out. You know, I'm going to take this little grubby thing called a caterpillar and I'm going to mush it all up. And out comes a butterfly. And they're going to have no clue how that happens. They have no clue how that happens. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to do some things that make them laugh. You look at some animals and you wonder, it's just to make the evolutionists go crazy because they can't figure out how it's got this part and that part, and yet it's got a part from over there 
and yet God still made it. But what happens is poor images, poor self-image makes us poor witnesses, poor in our relationships, poor in our family relationships. Let's look at an actual biblical example. 1 Samuel 25 verse 2, and there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was sharing his sheep in Carmel. Now, what it goes to prove is just because you're rich doesn't mean you have a good self-image or a good personality. Because you all know the name of this man. His name was Nabal. And the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. What it means, it doesn't just mean her appearance, but she had a a personality. She had a good self-image. She knew who she was. I don't know how she ended up marrying to this man. But the man was churlish. That means he was a jerk. In, in, in uh, 16th uh, King James speech, he was a jerk, a no good, and uh, always complaining, and evil in his doings. So maybe he, he never got, you know, breastfed long enough. I don't know. There was something in his, up, in his upbringing that even though he was rich, he was mean. He had a, a stinking personality. He had a poor image, and he took it out on people. And when you do that, sometimes it makes you stupid. Makes you stupid. Because in this story, David had helped save this man a lot of money by defending his cattle. And you would think that if he was smart, he would say, you know, David's got a whole bunch of men. I better be nice to him. But he was stupid. He was such a jerk, he didn't even see it. And so sometimes poor self-image bleeds over into bad relationships. And of course, the classic one, of course, in scripture is, of course, Cain. Genesis 4, 8. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. So I don't believe this was just something that happened just because of this one incident. There must have been something that was about Cain that was there festering. I I find it hard to believe it was just this one incident because... His brother gave a better sacrifice that he would decide, well, I'm going to kill him. So we can see even sometimes when it's the same parents, one person can somehow grab hold of the wrong end of the stick, so to speak. Right? They, they say about the, the black sheep of the family or something. And the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, God wants us to be our brother's keeper. When he speaks in his image into our life, it should make a difference. It should change us. Now, that means we can look like we're a Christian. We can have the image, but really not the likeness. Remember, there was two parts to the creation. He was in God's image and his likeness. And his likeness. Now, I'm just going to interpret that this way. Let's look at this. Genesis 5, 3, and Adam lived 130 years and began a son, a son, begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. I believe if you looked at Adam before he sinned and after he sinned, he probably physically didn't look different. Yes, probably the glory, Shekinah glory was gone, but physically he looked like the same person. He was in the image, but no longer in the likeness. Philippians 2.8, let's contrast that with Jesus Christ. Being found in the fashion as a man, he was in the image of a man. 
humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What this is saying is that we can be in the image, but not in the likeness. We look like we're doing the right thing, but we don't really have all of the goods. So you know what God wants us to do? Let's say our image is broken. Let's say it's marred. We did a whole month study last year on the, the, the potter's wheel and how the image was broken and marred. And so you know what the potter did? He didn't give up. He took it and he remade it. Isn't that great? We can get our image changed. Yes, if we have depression, if we have doubt, if we have fear, if we don't know how to love, if we, if we have been experiencing hurts, if, if we've had all kinds of things come into our lives, we don't have to, to, we don't have to uh, put up with that because we can have a change. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed. We can have the new birth, but of incorruptible. How? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Romans 12.2 says, Be not conformed. We don't have to put up with the depression and the doubt. We can start to listen to the Father's word. He can put the new image into us. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and what perfect will of God. So we don't have to put up with the image. Yes, you know, I told someone the other day, yes, maybe Rehoboth is a hospital, spiritual hospital. But that's a great thing because it's where you can get what? Healed. It's where you can get made new. We hope people walk into the hospital and then they walk out better, right? Amen. And if this is a spiritual hospital, you can have your image renewed. You can have your mind transformed so that the doubt and the fear and the depression and the hurts no longer influence you. God can give you a barrier so that even when the world is is putting you down and saying, you're stupid, you're dumb, God is saying, you're my son, you're my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. You don't have to listen to the world. You see, you can have so much confidence and trust in God. That it doesn't matter. One person with God, my father used to say, constitutes the majority. Right? God and one person, that's the majority. It doesn't matter what the world is saying. They could be calling you all kinds of things. But if you will have a transformed mind, if you will let the father's image now come back on you as how he created Adam, we can, we can be renewed. So changing the image then leads to a change in relationship. Remember what I said, it's because we have a bad image... That we, we don't have good relationships. So if we change the image, if we're changing into the man Christ Jesus, then it changes our relationship. Let's look at an example in the New Testament. There was a woman that had a terrible image. She was called all kinds of names. In fact, the Bible says she was possessed by many demons. You can't have a worse image than that. In fact, her image was so bad, everybody knew about it. You know who I'm talking about, right? One day, Jesus was invited to the home of a Pharisee in the town, I believe, of Bethany, which itself was a leper colony, which is interesting. And Jesus came in, and you know the story. They didn't wash his feet. They never gave him anything. And then here comes this woman who takes this alabaster jar and breaks it over his head and starts washing his feet. And you know what happened? There was a change of image. 
And because of that, there was a change of relationship. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, even the Bible says so, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat at the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. You can't have a worse image than Mary Magdalene. But something in Jesus' ministry gave her hope. For some reason, she thought she could come up to the master and that somehow she would find deliverance. And she did. A change in her image after that time changed the relationship with God. Because from that time, every time Jesus came to Bethany, you know where he stayed? Not at Simon's house. He stayed with Mary and Martha. You understand her change of image now from what the whole town knew before led to a change of relationship. Now Jesus came straight to her house. And she always was sitting at his feet. This is what happens when you let God come into your heart and can change the image. It will change the relationship. In other words... As the scripture that I read at the beginning said, and we will have fellowship. That's what happened to Mary. She began to have fellowship with Christ. Wherefore I, lay un- I say unto her, unto thee, her sins, which are many. Jesus wasn't downplaying the fact of who she was and what she had done. But he said something awesome. He said, are forgiven. Why? For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. We don't really know too much about her past story. But listen, she wrote a new story. Change of image, change of relationship, and then that brings fellowship. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. Another four words we should remember. Thy sins are forgiven. When we let God change our image, it brings us back into fellowship. And it was because of true repentance. The Bible says, godly sorrow worketh repentance. For some reason, she somehow believed that if she could come to Jesus and truly repent, he would see not the outside, not the outside image, not the... You know what they were saying? Look, if he knew who this woman was... He wouldn't even let her near him. The trouble is he did know who this woman was, but he was looking at a transformed image. God is not going to look at what you brought to him. He's going to look at what he can do for you. When we truly come to him and we want a changed image and a changed relationship, then we can have fellowship. That's about the new man. When we become a new man, we can become into new fellowships. Ephesians 4.24 says, And that he put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness. Remember what I said, it's the parent that gives gives you the image. When we come to him, we now take on a new image. We don't have to have the world's image of whatever we were, or even wherever we, we, we came from, or whatever situation we were in. Maybe we didn't have any parents. Maybe we were raised by our grandparents. Maybe we were in an orphanage. But you know what? We all get to say now, 
our Father. Our Father. Because we can have a new image. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. So God is telling us, listen, today, no matter what the past is, if we come to him and give him our old image, we can get a change of relationship. Psalms 103 says, as far as the east, and I was trying to quote this Sunday, the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transfer. How far is the east from the west? It never touches. You can keep going east forever. God has put your sin further than that. If we could just realize what God has done when we come to him and how we are supposed to be a completely new creature and we could let Satan's lies bounce off that wall of, of doubt and fear and say, listen, I'm a new creature. I am going to be a, um, a saint. I am going to see Jesus. I am going to make it. No matter what the, the current report says, my school report may not be good right now, but I am going to make it. I am going to be as... Uh, uh, who's it? Malcolm X. I am going to be somebody. Or was it, was it Martin Luther? I don't know. One of them two said, I'm going to be somebody. In Christ, you are somebody. You are a new creature with a new image, a new relationship. And that brings you into fellowship. If you could stand with me. Amen. First John 3, 2 says, Beloved. Beloved. You think God calls everybody beloved? No. Some people, he says, depart from me, you evil workers. (laughs) You workers of iniquity. No, the scripture says he calls his children beloved. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. See, all we've got so far is the deposit on the house. We haven't actually moved into the house. Now are we the sons of God, but it doth not yet appear what we shall be. And here's the important part that you have to remember. But we know, say it. Come on, say it like you actually do know. But we know, if you know that, you see, Abraham knew something. Isaac knew something. Jacob knew something. All the heroes in the Bible, they knew something that they could not see. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him because then the full transformation of the image will be revealed. Why? For we shall be like him For we shall see him as he is. Isn't that awesome? Come on, let's give God a praise offering right now. Amen. Paul says, I press on. It's not as if I've apprehended, but I press towards the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm not going to let the devil define who I am and tell me who I am and that I'm nobody. In Christ, I can do all things. In, in my, in, to the brethren, then I'm going to prefer you above myself. Amen. To the outside, to my circumstance, to the Satan, I'm going to be bold and I'm going to declare some things. But to my fellow brethren, I'm going to say, you go first. You pray for me. I, I'm your fellow worker. I don't want no worship. The Bible says only, only our King of Kings should be worshiped. Amen. So we're going to do Just like Mary Magdalene the rest of this year, we're going to come to Christ and he's going to give us a transformed image. Amen. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Help it to find good soil. Help us to truly 
understand and be able to say with faith, but we know, hallelujah, that when we see you, hallelujah, we shall be like you, hallelujah, for we shall see you as you are. Father, we thank you for this promise, for calling us your beloved, for making us again a new image, hallelujah, as in Christ. We thank you by faith, Lord God, that you're going to take us through, that the world's words will not be able to penetrate, oh God, the shield of your Holy Spirit and of your love. We thank you tonight for your goodness and your grace, and we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Let's give God a praise offering tonight. Amen. Hallelujah.